Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Okay, Brods, I don't mean to frighten you, but the holidays are going to be here before you know it. Yes, I know. I can hardly believe it either. <laughs> if you've got a small business or family that you need to ship packages to, there's a good chance you're already planning for the holiday season. Or if you're like me, you're just thinking about starting to think about planning for the holiday season. Stamps.com, it's the one tool that's going to help you make it through the holiday season with a lot more ease. You can use it to avoid the post office completely. Everything you would normally need to go in to do at the post office, you can do from your home computer, thanks to Stamps.com. That's right, from comparing rates and shipping times across carriers to printing labels to scheduling pickups, Stamps.com even integrates seamlessly with Shopify, eBay, and other major online marketplaces to make your life easier than ever. You can get ahead of the holiday chaos, and you can get started with Stamps.com today. And when you sign up, um, you got to use promo code CHATTY, you will get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial, you get free postage, and you get a free digital scale. I use that thing all the time. I can print out my postage, weigh whatever package I'm going to sell and send, and then I can um, schedule a pickup right from my front door. So convenient. Just go to stamps.com, click the mic at the top of the homepage, enter code chatty. There's no long-term commitments or contracts. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, broads, it's this is a good day. This is a ser- this is actually a very. I, I want you to talk about this was kind of serendipitous, actually. It was very serendipitous because one of our most favorite guests we've ever had, John Kim, just AKA, recently did a re-release too. I know very because weird it's timing one about of everything. our favorite episodes. Yeah, John Kim, aka the Angry Therapist. Uh, we had just re-released an episode, and then I was getting coffee. And I ran into John and Vanessa at the coffee shop, and then they have a book coming out today. Yeah, the day that this is going to be releasing. It's called It's Not Me, It's You, so they're in the studio with us. That's serendipity. Well, welcome, you guys. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And and by the way, what you don't know is um, we've been literally following you. We've been outside your fence. We knew you were going to be at the coffee shop that day. You know, we knew you. And so that's this is serendipity to you. To us, it's been a payoff. What I appreciate is the commitment. Honestly, I feel needed, which is one of my problems in a relationship: is wanting to always feel absolutely needed. You're like the thing about manifesting is you have to put in the work. We've been putting in the hours to track your moves and track the podcast yeah it was kind of interesting though too because when she ran into you and then she was telling me about the book is like we've been talking a lot about relationship stuff I mean I guess that's nothing new but just it's something that I don't know a topic that's come up a Mm -hmm. lot and trying to better our relationships and Mm -hmm. a lot of audience members talking about experiencing shifts in their relationship which I don't think is unique especially after COVID and everything a lot of people are clarifying their life in a lot of different ways including their partnerships so yeah yeah. Yeah. but it was well-timed I think it, it was, and uh, thank you for having me the first time. Thank you for um, picking me, uh, uh, saying really kind things about oh me. That goodness. was very flattering. And then, yeah, and then two days, and then I reached out to you, and and then um, then two days later we, we ran into each other. To ran into shop. each other. Yeah. yeah, it was serendipitous. <laughs> when did you? You weren't married though. Last time no. that you were still no. not married. Oh, really? We're still okay. Not married. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We are. Um, 
we're we're not married, but we're you know uh, consciously we, coupled. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we have a house and kids. We're doing the that whole big the phrase thing. that came to yeah. my mind yeah. too. I'm like, oh gosh, was Say it two that. years ago? When was it? Um, I don't remember. It was probably close to two years ago. I think it was a, it was a long time. Yeah, because it would have yeah. been when your last book, I think. I just measure it by my hair because I had short right. hair. Yeah, right. see how long it's. My hair's down to yeah, so it was, I think it was about two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think so too. Hmm. Well, would you mind giving us a little bit of a, a reminder bio for the audience sure. who hasn't met you, and then Vanessa? Yeah, we need to find out more about you. <laughs> <laughs> you do reminder first. Uh, Twelve years ago, divorce, starting all over, uh, all over, starting in Tumblr, called it the angry therapist because I thought it was kind of funny. Therapist is angry. Uh, didn't realize what I was doing was humanizing myself by meeting people like um, around Silver Lake. Did you know it's exactly 50 minutes to walk around that lake? <laughs> so I would do a session and just by the walk and talk, I would know they'd be over by the end, which was great. It's perfect. A couple sessions in the park, uh, taking my motorcycle, uh, meeting people at coffee shops and all of that. Um, and then uh, that blog uh, uh, started get, getting traction and then that turned into a full practice and then, you know, content, books, and uh, now a baby. And um, adulting. I like how you yeah. said the angry therapist turned into a baby. <laughs> <laughs> the angry therapist turned into a Well, actually, that's a really good segue because it really actually did turn into a baby. I'll give you the shortened version of how we met. It's really funny. So I always say I manifested him. And I kind of hate saying half jokingly because uh, a friend of mine, one of my best girlfriend actually, followed him for a long time and used to send me his content. And I, I remember like kind of looking at it but not really ever diving in. And then one day he sent me something, or no, he posted something that just, I don't know what it was, it just intrigued me. Mm -hmm. So I did a little light Instagram stalking and I sent it to her in DM and I was like, this guy appears to be single, lives mm -hmm. in LA, I find him attractive, we have a mutual friend. I said, I'm gonna date this guy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you gotta put it out there. <laughs> and she I was like, that. okay. You know, at the time you had, I don't know, like 80,000 something. She's like, okay, what? I was like, no, I'm serious, I'm gonna date this guy. So we had this mutual friend, him and I already had plans to catch up, go hiking. So we were, I was going to be like, Hey, Hey, you know, put yeah. in a good word. And we were talking and chatting and I had never said a word. I hadn't gotten to that point in the conversation yet. And he goes, I feel, I have this friend that I feel like you'd really get along with. Ooh. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> like, I have no idea who you're talking That's about. Exactly <laughs> yeah. He goes, Oh yeah. He's on Instagram. I'm saying your therapist. I go, Oh, I don't think I know him. Yeah. <laughs> never heard of him. Cut to this guy, his name's Jason comes at me in the gym and says, Hey, do you date white girls? I said, dude, it's, come on. <laughs> I date all, all yeah. people. And he's like, oh, I have a therapist for you. And I was like, come on, I don't just date therapists. <laughs> and so he set us up on a blind date. Mm -hmm. um, that's when, that's how we met. And I got her Instagram and I actually um, went through the whole fucking thing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hours. Because, you know, you, there has to be consistency and, mm -hmm. and, you know, pictures can lie and all that. So I went through the whole thing. I'm like, do people not go through the whole before? Well, I people mean, pretend they don't. They say, oh, yeah, yeah I, I, like, like she just did it. I breezed yeah. through. No, you didn't breeze through my yeah. Instagram. You went through <laughs> all. You, deep. I didn't pretend. You're like, I know the name of every family member, <laughs> yeah, yeah. every place I, I you went ever to visited. The, the first oh, yeah. day she posted something when she worked at Hooters. I went from that. Yeah. To first of all, Instagram did not exist when I worked <laughs> oh, at Hooters. <sorry. laughs> Um, but I went through the whole thing. Thank God. And uh, I was in a place in my life where I was uh, single on purpose, which yeah. was my last book. Yes. And I didn't want a commitment. I was willing to go on a blind date. Uh, most of my 20s, you know, I was in a relationship or married. So I wanted um, I wanted to, like, experience the one-night stand, which I've never done. I wanted to wake up with someone I didn't like. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do uh, – there was all this stuff about, like, MDMA and sex. And I was like, I've never done any of that. Motorcycles. 
motorcycles <laughs> and just debauchery. I've never had a threesome. I've never done anything like that. I've always been monogamous, and you know, and so um, I, I was. That's what I wanted for myself. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the universe, you know, throws me Vanessa, and their relationship in the beginning was rocky because of mm-hmm. my ambivalence because I didn't know, but I did know that whoever I dated next was going to be quote unquote the one, mm-hmm. and I wasn't getting any younger, and so. That was my fear is like, oh, do I, do I commit to this person? Do I not? And this wish, wishy-washiness gave her a lot of anxiety. And so it was a rocky beginning. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I guess um, for the listeners who don't know me, I suppose I talked about myself through my relationship, which as a woman I don't like. So I'm going to go back and just give a quick synopsis of <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, so I spent many years in corporate. I lived, I'm from New York. Uh, I was in advertising for a long time kind of started on my own journey. I was in a relationship at the time Mm -hmm. with somebody who had a problem with substances and I was kind of doing my own therapy, coming into my own, understanding all the stuff that we start to understand and decided I wanted to be a therapist. So I was actually commuting back and forth. My, My school was in LA and I was living in New York and I was going back and forth every month until I hit my breaking point and was like, I can't do this. This is unsustainable. So I left the relationship, packed two suitcases, got on a plane and moved to LA with nothing. And so, um, when I met John, I was still actually in grad school. I was still kind of making that transition. Um, but I will, I remember my mom saying, you know, you're self, you're so you're making your, your dating pool smaller and smaller. Cause mm-hmm. every time I date somebody, I'd be like the next time I date, he's going to be a therapist. Right. You know? <laughs> She's like, all right, calm down. Yeah. And then here we go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did it. You manifested. <laughs> I manifested. It. I just, just to prove my mother wrong. <laughs> well, I want to ask, so the book it's, it's not me, it's you. Why did you, both write this book. I know you were saying the relationship was rocky at first. Is that kind of where it came from? It's a little pithy, only in probably more of the reason is as couples therapists and just in our own relationship, so more often than not, I would say people come in and say, like, fix my partner. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Right? We're in couples therapy. They're wrong. I'm right, Mm -hmm. clearly. You know, uh, what can we do to fix them? And it's just so common. And the whole reason we wrote this book was really about owning your shit, Mm -hmm. right? That nothing gets better in a relationship until you're willing to own your 100%, Mm -hmm. right? Until you're willing to, you know, as they say in 12-step, like keep your side of the street clean, you know, your side of the fence clean. So it was a kind of a cheeky way of referring to the fact that everybody seems to think it's everybody else's fault Mm -hmm. when in actuality, you know, you have to own your 100%. Have you both been couples therapists or what's yeah. I get and what yeah. percentage of that versus would you say like versus just working with individuals? Um, you I would say, me. yeah, I, she hates working with couples. I hate it. Why? Oh, I want to hear more about this. Yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, couples you, is great. Yeah. Will you talk about why you love it? And then I want to hear yeah. why you hate it. <laughs> I love it because uh, you get to hold up a mirror you get your job isn't to you know tell them what you know who's right or it's none of that right. it, it's more about showing them what they don't see and you also get to experience the engagement of a couple in the room so it's live right, right? Mm-hmm. and then um, exploring that to me is fascinating I suppose you're also seeing that each individual in another context too because right. sometimes even like uh, you know I'll hear my partner talk about his you know something his therapist will say or something and I'm like 
okay, but like she's not seeing you like, and not even in a negative way. Like not she, she's not seeing what you do to me. No, <laughs> she not only like sees that, one like, side of the story. Right, and right. like also right. you're giving her one side of the story, not even in a negative way, but I'm like, but what about this part of right. you? Like, right. you know, she doesn't know about this big part of you that I see every day, mm-hmm. like bad or good, you know? Right. Like she doesn't know this fullness of you because you're showing her this one part that you show to strangers or individuals that you interact with. And yeah. I think I do see like with our... Um, couples counselor it's like we are showing a whole nother dimension of ourselves mm-hmm. to that person and then they're getting a better sense of who I am and better sense of who he is because they're seeing us reflect back and forth of each other to be fair that's probably actually the more authentic way to see somebody as a client right, right? because we're relational creatures mm-hmm. right we have an ego we're going to construct a right. story of ourselves to a certain extent right and if yeah. somebody can actually witness you when you're activated, when your inner child is clearly coming out, mm-hmm. when you're you know in your trauma, whatever it is, because you're actually acting it out in front of them, it's definitely more constructive, I think. Yeah. Um, if you're willing to hear the feedback, right? right? Which some people aren't. For me, I'm super conflict avoidant, mm-hmm. and it's my own shit. Like mm-hmm. I struggle. I mean, it's torture for her, right? So therapists yeah. all have, we all have our own background and our own stuff, you know, and. Um, part of working with couples for me, I shouldn't say I hate it because there actually is a lot of times that I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But when people are in real conflict in the moment, right. it brings up all of my own shit. And all I want to do is just crawl under the table right. and be like, please stop. stop. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> yeah. Like I, the whole time yeah. I'm like breathing and calming myself right. down. Trying to regulate your system. Yeah. The number of times I've actually talked with my own therapist where I'm like, is this good for me? Right. Or can I just say I don't want to do this anymore? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know? um, and, and how much of it, like, am I really providing a service to somebody if I'm like so activated Sure. That I'm not present, you sure. know. Um, although there's something to be said. Like I feel really activated <laughs> right now. Like, I'm really struggling. With this. I don't like your tone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have to step away. Create a boundary for. But a at sec. the same time, it's like with therapy. I mean, so my background's in depth psychology. So we're much more interested in really what the unconscious and the psyche is providing us in the moment and mm. playing with it and utilizing it. And so sometimes actually it can be really, really rich because there's been times where I've been hella activated and I know there's some kind of dynamic that's unconsciously mm-hmm. being played out and I'm getting sucked in. And if I name it, there's actually been a lot of ahas that have come for that. Mm-hmm. So I hate it, but I know I should do it more. Ahas for you or the client? For everybody. For everyone. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. For everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. So like if I'm feeling some kind of activation, there's been times where I've like named it and all of a sudden it's like the woman or the man will go, oh, yes, that's exactly how it feels when like they say X, Y, and Z. Like I can feel that same response. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, that's coming up in me too. Yeah. Let's talk about what that is. Yeah. Right. So there's something really fascinating about that part of therapy where it's like, let's get into the juicy what's coming up. Yeah. Right now. You know, totally. Unspoken. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have couples therapy sessions where you're like, or just clients where you're like, I feel like you guys shouldn't be together. Yes. Yes. And what, where does that? That's interesting. That's a great question. How do you navigate yeah. that? Um, we're not supposed to, to tell someone sure. that you're not, you, you guys aren't, um, even though we we're feel We're not supposed it. to do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. We, we come right. home. Yeah. To be clear. Right. Yeah. We come we home and tell each listen. other. <laughs> yes. Um, I write I've them a secret it. note. I've said it. What do you say? Yeah. What do you I've said what it. Said? So there's been one couple, one client that I had clients. Um, I didn't say it that directly. Like, I don't think you should be together. But there were a, um, a couple times where I really pushed them and said, like, I want you to verbalize that this is really what you want. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. can we all just like 
brass tacks, like laid all laid there. down all the bullshit. Like, <sighs> right. do you really want this? Because right. I don't believe that yeah. that you do. I don't believe that you do. Yeah. Like, so it's been kind of my way of being like, come on. And and what happened? Did it? Did it? They they said they did. They I mean I'll give this one couple credit. They kept trying and kept trying. They did actually end up calling it quits. But they they were committed. I, I you know to be fair, I think they were committed to just trying it from all angles, mm-hmm. like all of us usually do, where we can walk away and say I I gave it everything I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like they had already done that. But sometimes as a therapist, you can kind of see a little bit further down the path than somebody else can. Yeah. Um, they had to get there on their own. But there was definitely that moment where I wanted to be like, y'all. Can we just, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. You don't want to do this anymore. Can we just all be honest with each other? Like I'm in their relationship. All right. When there's constant uh, defensiveness, whether it's uh, one person, usually one of them very defensive, uh, not in one session, but if that is just constant, you can't build anything on that, you know? And it's also reflective of how it is, uh, you know, at home. And so, um, again, you know, the blame cycle, it's if someone is always blaming and not taking ownership uh, you, there are no legs in that relationship. You're building mm-hmm. on sand. So if you're witnessing that constantly, it's really hard uh, to believe that this this is going to continue and they're going to grow and evolve and and work out for it mm-hmm. to work out. That answers my follow up question, which is going to be like, what do you what what is the thing yeah. that you usually see where you're like, this isn't working? That's for me. I don't know about for you. No, I think that that's pretty spot on. I and I I, I would say that even in individual therapy too, when somebody. When somebody's like ego structure is so defended and so walled off that for whatever reason, there's probably a variety of them, they can't take ownership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just talked about this last week. Like, where do you go from there? We were kind of mm-hmm. talking about it just in terms of, I mean, I was framing it in terms of narcissism, which is something it's that's obviously such it. a buzzword yeah. on social media. But yeah. I was always, I was talking about how like my understanding of like what makes someone be in that space is like, usually some pretty radically tough shit really early on where Mm -hmm. at the point where they're my description is always like they're as an adult then clawing for any like control over the Mm -hmm. validation that they want to receive from the people around them to the point where they cannot it's so true i'll tell you narcissists when i was in grad school there was a few um of my professors that said absolutely the the like kind of least favorite (laughs) the least favorite client she's talking about narcissism (laughs) narcissist just rubbing your knee (laughs) um because yeah i mean it's like if you picture like just a black hole Right. And that black hole is constructed. I mean, that yeah. comes from somewhere, childhood trauma, mm-hmm. et cetera. And it's impossible to fill. And every once in a very great while, when you can kind of crack that veneer and get in the danger with somebody who's a true narcissist, right. not just like everybody's a narcissist yeah, nowadays, right. sure, yeah. is that you can actually literally send them into a psychotic break. Like right. it breaks their right. ego structure. Yeah. So it's such a delicate balance because it's like you want them to hear their part, but also if it gets in too much, it's mm. too you much. can literally break them. Mm. So it's like, it's it's kind of scary actually wow. as a therapist. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. But yeah, so going back to what you're asking, like I think this inability to take ownership, I mean, look, it's a sickness culturally. It's a sickness in every relationship, not just romantic. You know, nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. So when you actually have somebody who shows up and is willing to do that, it's like, oh, as a therapist, breath of fresh air. Thank God I can work with this, you know. Ownership is um, one of the sexiest things, I think. I mean, oh, yeah. As a 49-year-old, I wouldn't have said that in my 20s. <laughs> true. No, that's definitely true. would have had a different yeah. answer. It wouldn't be ownership. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I find that extremely attractive. Uh, not even romantically. I mean, a family member, Everybody. friends. If someone's yeah. like, hey, listen, Here's what I con- did. Here's what I. Here's how I contributed to um, our fight or your right. hurt. Um, I, right. just, I just want to own that. 
Yeah. Doesn't it build like, trust? Oh, I mean, it softens, so right? Trust. It yeah. opens, yeah. opens uh, everyone. It expands. It yeah. heals. It heals. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's two arms. It's milk. It's everything. Yeah. You know? mm. uh, most people are like, let me tell you what you did, mm-hmm. you know, and especially in the intimate relationships, because that's where we're the, the closest and we feel the most comfortable. So there's a lot of finger pointing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, broads, quick pause. So there are some things in life that you can get away with putting off, like, I don't know, visiting your in-laws, prepping for that college exam. Okay, actually, I don't know if you should put off either of those things, but, but one thing you for sure should not put off is sorting your birth control prescription. But like most things in life, easier said than done, right? Unless, unless you use a favor then getting your birth control is actually easy. No need to put it off. The service you may have known and loved as the Pill Club is now called Favor. They've got over 4,000 five-star reviews. They carry over 120 FDA-approved brands and they ship to all 50 states. And most brands of birth control are totally free with insurance or Medicaid. And otherwise, prices start as low as $6.99 per package without insurance. And, and they deliver the birth control to your door for free. Um, they can pack it in discreet packaging and they will send you other little fun self-care extras. It's nice too, because if you've been on birth control or have looked into going on birth control, you know that there are like a million different options and it can be hard to figure out what's going to be best for you. But with Favor, you have access to their licensed medical team via text, so you can have someone there to walk you through the whole thing. And signing up takes just five minutes. So what are you waiting for? Oh, and right now, when you go to heyfavor.com slash chatty, they are offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every Chatty Broads listener who becomes a patient. So your donation will help low-income individuals get access to birth control, and bedsider.org is doing that. It's really cool. So go to H-A-Y-H-E-Y-F-A-V-O-R.com slash chatty. It's like, hey, favor, heyfavor.com slash chatty. Uh, you can get your first birth control care package, and it will also make a donation to help more people in need of affordable birth control. Remember, that's heyfavor.com slash chatty, and you have to use that link to make a donation. So I used to think that cute and comfort were mutually exclusive things. Like if a shoe was super comfortable, then it would be something I wouldn't want to be seen in public in. But if the shoe was super painful, I could barely stand it, then it was probably stylish, right? Wrong. Okay. And then I found Rothy's and realized you can totally have both, baby. I know it sounds almost too good to be true, but Jess and I have been wearing our Rothy's for years, the same pairs. And we can tell you firsthand, they are some of the most comfortable shoes. They're pretty freaking cute. And also their shoes are made out of recycled marine plastic and water bottles that would otherwise end up in a landfill. So the shoes are cute and comfy and they're also lending a hand to save the planet. But wait, there's more if you can believe it. Every pair of Rothy's is machine washable. Yes, that's right. I said machine washable. Evan, Ember, and myself all have Rothy's, and they've outlasted so many of our other shoes thanks to the fact that we can just toss them in the wash and they come out looking brand new. It's the best thing ever. You can get both style and comfort and eco-consciousness this summer with Rothy's. Plus, you can get 20 bucks off your first purchase at rothys.com slash chatty. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash chatty. John and I, I think this is, I mean, it's obviously come up in our relationship. Um, it was only through the beginning of our relationship where I was really able to put words to this uh, belief or pattern of kind of, re- you know, relational pattern I have 
where doing anything quote unquote wrong, I'll put that in air quotes, meant I was bad. Like I've done something bad, therefore I am bad. Yeah. Right? And so mm-hmm. what am I going to do? I'm going to defend against the reality that I've done something bad because I can't tolerate the belief that I am bad. But mm. that goes back to what you're saying about giving myself grace. Once I started realizing, and it was honestly, John has done a beautiful job in helping me heal that because he's got this way of not really saying it, but essentially saying like, we can talk about this thing and I can say this thing has hurt my feelings, but that doesn't mean that you are bad, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But until I really started believing that, it was hard for me to take ownership. Right. So you do have to do a lot of this grace giving and working on how do I believe the best of myself? Because if you don't, how do you step up and take ownership? It actually is really hard. Well, yeah, and something we've been exploring, it's also really hard with a person you love because yes. something we've been exploring in our own counseling is generally when one person, whether it's, hey, can you please put your dishes in the sink when you're done? Whether yeah. it's that, you know, whether it's like, you forgot to pick up the kids, you know, lunch, whatever. Whatever it is, when that defensiveness hits, it's usually the inner fear is, I'm always failing you. Mm -hmm. I'm never good enough for you. I'm defective. There's something wrong with me, which like ultimately, where is that coming from? Like the belief that you're not good enough for anyone. But when that hits, it's like, like you're saying like that, I can't be bad. I'm a bad partner. I'm I'm failing you. So what do you do? You shouldn't even be with me. Like that's even that that's not what's conveyed. Even what's conveyed is like, fuck you. I do everything. Like where it's coming from is like, is this fear that I'm a shitty person Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I'm not good. I can't ever serve you well enough. And that's like so hard hard. to deal Mm -hmm. with. Um, But the book. So how is this writing together though? Was that a journey? Uh, It was good. You know, what was difficult about it was um, I had someone to check me. So uh, because she's a therapist, if you're writing a book by yourself, you know, you're kind of the expert. You don't have anyone that's going to check you or, you know, you don't talking to yourself almost talking to yourself. Right. And so with this, it's like say something and then she could check me. I could check her. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it wasn't um, it wasn't sexy. Yeah, it was uh, brought up a lot of stuff. And uh, it was difficult, but you know, more than the content in the book, what was important for me was the tone, meaning um, two people who are therapists that pull the curtain back and we show our shortcomings, what we struggle with. Um, we, we, we opened the book with a mm-hmm. uh, daytime talk show. I, I won't say the name, but um, it's called Dr. Phil. And the show, <laughs> uh, the show is great. I used to watch it all the time, but the, he ends with, um, his wife coming out of the audience, they hold hands and they kind of like walk into the, the distance. Sunset. Yeah. And by the way, our, 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 the abyss. Yeah. our PR firm is trying to get us on Dr. I know, that's why I was show, thinking so. in my head, I'm like, oh, I want to get out in the sun. Oh, that um, is so funny. Hilarious. And I have a problem with that because it portrays them as the model, the, the expert. Mm-hmm. You guys can be like this if you you know listen to what I say or whatever, yeah. right? And so we didn't want to come off that way. Uh, we wanted to get off the stage and, and, and get into yeah. the trenches, right? Mm-hmm. And so the only way to do that is to actually show our stains, show our right. shit, show our dirty laundry. And so that's what we did. Yeah. Or tried to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I haven't scary. fully finished it. It's so excellent. As soon as mm. Becca came over today, I'm like, like so I can't wait to give it to all of my friends and family. <laughs> um, but no, I love how it's written where it's broken down to where like, Vanessa, you have your moments, and then mm. John, you have yours. Mm. And it's a very vulnerable book. And I love how even just at the start, you all were saying like, this is a way to show people sometimes like the best way is to be like, this is what ours looks like. So maybe you, you can glean from that. And I was reading through, there were just so many moments where I was hit with like, oh my God, like specifically Vanessa, when you were talking about when you guys were dating and that feeling of the healthy can be boring mm, energy, yeah, yeah, which to me like hit me like just in the gut. Because when I look back at my relationships, all of my relationships other than my husband, it was always kind of this like Lightning rocket fuel. Right. I've realized my um, tendency is to try to choose people who are obsessed with me. Sure. Where I'm like, I want people who like worship the ground I walk yeah. on. And all of a sudden I start dating my husband and he's very balanced and has his own passions. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, why don't you care more about me? And it's like, no, I, I love you. But like, I also have friends and my yeah. dreams and whatever. And I'm going, well, this is wrong. Right. So when you, this sounds actually a little familiar for us. Yeah. I'll when you all you were discussing it. that, it was like, oh my goodness. Like, I mean, who doesn't to a certain extent want someone to worship them? Yeah. <laughs> right. right. It's I not healthy, don't. but it feels good. <laughs> that's too much pressure. I mean, yeah. I immediately viscerally go, uh-uh, no yeah. way. Now, now I'm like, oh no, that's, that wasn't yeah. good. Maybe but if it I was, was 25 and I answered that question, I'd be like, oh, But it was like, the realization of like, when you guys were breaking down the different attachment styles, mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, I used to try to be I used to try to be the person who had an avoidant attachment and I would put that on when mm. I didn't actually care about the person. Your armor. It was kind of like, oh, they're obsessed with me. I don't really care, whatever. And as soon as I found someone I was in love with, mm -hmm. I realized my actual attachment style is anxious. Well, you also can kind of switch. So oh, okay. the thing about attachment styles is they're not fixed. It okay. really is kind of a spectrum. We person can kind of dip person. in and out and certain people bring out certain attachment styles in us. Okay. Um, like if somebody is more avoidant, you might find yourself being more anxious okay. or more secure. You might find yourself kind of, you know, flip-flopping. So I do think that's a little bit of a common misconception with at attachment styles, you know, as they've kind of become more like pop psychology understood, um, it's not fixed. And that's great too, right? Because you know that you can work towards You secure. have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So, you know, Vanessa doesn't uh, worship me. She doesn't even know I'm in the house, right? I'm like, a, <laughs> uh, but I have been with. That's his anxious <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been with, um, I've been with, and I have uh, one person who, uh, thought I hung the moon. Mm. So in that sense, um, mm -hmm. really put me on a pedestal. And uh, of course, it felt amazing. Mm -hmm. And you know, you feel special and desired and all that. But I don't think that's sustainable, because right. she's on her growth journey as well. And one once, day she's going to grow out of that once. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then you're going to be like, what the fuck? You don't like me anymore. Right. It's like, no, I'm right. actually growing and I'm healthy. Um, so with Vanessa, uh, because uh, we're individuals and interdependent and she sees me as, you know, um, her peer, her partner. Mm -hmm. um, there was a tug in me mm -hmm. that's like, tell me I'm beautiful. Mm -hmm. Tell me I'm sexy. Uh, I'm not short, right? Like all these things. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't give me that. Um, 
And so I have to self. I'm mean, gonna give it to you sometimes. You do give me to you sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like I'm a monster. Yeah. You're like <laughs> never. She does. She does put some notifications in her phone to remind me. I do. That uh, words are my love language. Uh, I have to remind yeah. myself. Hers is acts of service. We have this Doesn't joke. Come easy. We have this joke that if I write her name in the sky, she'll be like, "How much did you pay for that?" <laughs> but uh, I do crave that, and so. Yeah. Being aware of that and then self-soothing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean to not ask for needs, right? So if I right. if I have a need that's valid, I should definitely ask for her um, to to help me to yeah. Not I, not, I shouldn't demand it, but I should help. express the need. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm feeling lonely or I'm feeling whatever. Um, but when I start to feel the tug of oh, I need this from her, and she's not giving it to me, learning to self-soothe is how we grow. Mm-hmm. It is the tool that we have where then we're less, less needy. Um, if I was to grab onto her leg as an avoidant, she it would make her avoid more. Right. Mm. If I can self-soothe, then she comes back. Well, and that's your, so if we're just talking attachment styles, I mean, when people are asking, like, how do I become more secure? It's that, right? So if you are on the more anxious spectrum, noticing when you're wanting to cling and then questioning why, where is that coming right. from? Is there a need in there? Yes, okay, is there anything in it that could, I can meet myself? Versus what is it that I can be vulnerable and ask my partner about? And then for me, it would be the opposite. When I feel the desire to pull in and pull away, I kind of have to force myself to lean in more because that doesn't feel comfortable for me, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of bleeds into mm-hmm. this idea of, of love languages, which we also talk about, but he's words of affirmation and words are really, I can write words. I'm like very proficient, like cards and emails and all the things, but ask me to like look you in the eyes and be vulnerable and say it in the moment, Can't forget it. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. And so he's right. I actually have notifications in my phone every few days where it'll be like John words because if I don't remind myself as mm-hmm. unsexy as that is, I won't do it. And then my partner feels unloved and I don't want that. You should check your you phone know? because I don't think those notifications are on. You need to repeat. No more snoozing. No more snoozing. I think I've been snoozing. <laughs> I love that though, like, like just for even referring to it as like non-sexy because I love when you guys are talking about how you know, obviously with like Disney culture, mm-hmm. it's very much like that feeling of like everything is swooning and yeah. so romantic. And Happily if that's not after. right, if that's not the energy, then there must be something mm-hmm. wrong mm-hmm. versus, oh, my God, no, we're two different people. And I have to remind myself to uh, for me, I'm like, I have to remind myself to uh, cuddle with my husband in bed because in bed I want to turn over and not mm-hmm, cuddle, but he right. needs affection. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, OK, I have to remind myself of that. And it's not that it's not sexy. It's just that or it's not that it's, um, you know, there's anything wrong. It's just yeah. that we're just two different people. Right. 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 Uh, we, we actually got into a, a, a fight last night mm-hmm. and um, yeah. I'm kind of proud of our, us that we um stuck with it and kind of dissolved it and I admitted and my part and I apologize yeah, she took which ownership. is a big deal for me <laughs> here's what happened uh, you, you guys have kids yes and um, I told myself uh, when I didn't have kids I would never be the parent that would like schedule sex that's so unsexy and uh-huh, lame who uh-huh. does that I'm never gonna do that right yeah and of course the you know, and all yeah. Time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you look at our Google calendar afternoon delight you know, yeah. you know 15 to 20 and so um Last night we kind of decided. And I put it on her uh, because I tend to pressure her a lot for uh, sexual intimacy. I said, um, "It's totally up to you. If you want to do it, let me know." Uh, and, and then, but just give me a heads up, right? I need to take a quarter of a pill because I'm 49. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I'm watching TV and I get a text from her. She's looking. Let me run to the neighbors real quick. I need to pick up. She made us some bread, and then I get a text from her. that says, 
take the pill. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, fuck, it's on. So I, so, I, so I take it. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. An hour goes by. Oh, no. So I'm just watching, whatever. I, you know, she's her own person. She can have, go hang out with friends. Two hours goes by. And I'm like, dude, what is she doing? Is she coming back? I, I know that they're chatty, so I yeah. know that they're just yeah. talking about stuff. Yeah, sure. we both are. And it's so I felt like, okay, now, <laughs> yeah. I, now I kind of feel like, so then I texted her some jokes, like, oh, you know, zucchini bread or something, blah, yeah. blah, blah, playfully. And then I said, hey, I'm going to bed. And then she wrote back, um, okay, I'm going to wake you up. Like, yeah. she's trying to be sexy. I'm right. going to wake you right. up. And right, then you're right. kind of pissed. But I'm like, did you get kind of pissed? Yeah, yeah. but I, I this is a this. very, this right. is a but kind I'm of like, a dynamic that's right. definitely played and out. And so yeah. I um, I checked myself and I was like, there's no need to get pissy. Right. You know, right. okay, so I, didn't, I kind of didn't respond. And I'm sitting in bed. Red. 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 <laughs> so I'm 55. And it's very confusing because half of me is like, oh, I'm kind of horny and I'm into it. And then the other half of me is, no, I'm pissed. Yeah. And so there's that. And so I'm waiting a bit. Um, finally, after, you know, I don't know, two hours and 10 minutes, she finally comes in the door. By the way, it was only an hour and a half, but keep going. I didn't she say that in. last night, but I'm going to say that now. <laughs> it felt like eternity. You're okay, like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, yeah, you're I like, know, but I can look at times hours. She's like, John, it was 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she Text comes. messages don't lie. She comes back and, um, of course she's flirty, you know, she's, she's kissing me and stuff and she's already, you know, taking her clothes off. And you're like. And uh, yeah, I'm like that. I'm like a popsicle yep. stick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I, it, part of my head is like I still want to do it and the other part of me is like I, I can't I'm angry can I ask you what was activated for you was it a feeling of like um, I, uh, yes it was um, her, me th- thinking that her conversation with her friend was more important was than more you. important yeah. than the intimacy that yeah. we shared especially because she it's a hot topic it's a hot right topic now. right now yeah, yeah. for us M- meaning you know, she's touched out. She's got a two and a half year old. Yeah. She's not feeling good. Like, y'all right? ladies know. I'm in that guys, phase right, of early right. child yeah. motherhood and where then, I'm like, everybody, yeah, leave me the fuck alone. She's yeah. got this, you know, crazy oh, yeah. Korean horny guy knocking on her door, <laughs> yeah, fucking, you know. And so um, I, I understand that. So I, my work has been like, dude, lay off, Give coconut me grace. oil, take care of yourself, whatever, <laughs> do that. And um, give but there's the emotional part that comes out, and at that yeah. point, right, yeah, yeah. it's not about sex anymore. No, it's no. feeling desired, yeah. feeling connection, a, yeah. right? Right. So if that goes too long, I start to feel undesired, mm-hmm. and and so that's the part where you're like, okay, is this about self soothing, or is this a real need that I should ask my partner? Sure. Yeah. Where else am I going to get it? Right. Sure. So um, because of that, I thought, okay, two hours with their friend, I, I kind of felt like it was inconsiderate, it was mm-hmm. rude, and she's not being sensitive to right. what's happening here. Mm-hmm. She'd rather talk to a friend. Right. That's why I got right. Married. It wasn't about the sex. And right. I obviously, you know, I got a little annoyed. I mean, as we always do, somebody says, you, you did the thing wrong, right? That's where I go. Sure. I mm-hmm. am bad. And so I get annoyed. Like, I'm just, it was. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I supposed to be at your beck and call whenever you want to ask me? Right. Not mm-hmm. that loud, but she was probably thinking that. Yeah. But yeah. she did I say. Not loud, but that's yeah, what's going yeah, through yeah. my head, yes, right? Yes, yes. And it's like. I just had this like off the cuff conversation and we just like got caught up and it wasn't intentional, right? So how often and then how often do I get to connect with my friends these days? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, yep, that's oh the mom God. and me. That was amazing. Any mother yeah, knows, no, trust well, me. Yeah. It's it's a it's an unspoken <laughs> yeah. bond that yeah. most moms, especially with young kids, have. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so that is where I went. And yeah. then at the end of the day, I even though that was going through my mind, I like took a breath and I felt it in my body and I was like, You're right, it was inconsiderate. Yeah. You're right. It really was. Because here's the thing. Both things can be true. Yeah. Mm. 
that's right. important for people to understand. Mm-hmm. We don't think about it like that. <laughs> Both things can be true. It doesn't actually even have to mean that just because I'm saying, yes, you're right in this, that that means I'm necessarily, quote unquote, wrong. It means that there is something I can take ownership for, but it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it can be true that I'm also like, oh, I really enjoyed this moment. But to be fair, I should have just texted him and said, you know what? I got caught up chatting. It's going to be a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he could have been upset with that. And yeah. that would have been okay. And that would have been a different conversation. Yeah. Our our counselor has been saying to us, like, what what's really important, it's basically what you're saying is that you both have to see, like, that what the other person's feeling, right. each one has to be validated, right? right. Like, you right. were feeling unloved. Yeah. You were feeling neglected. There was that fearful part of you of, like, am I not that important to her, yes. right? And you were feeling excited and feeling recharged, yep. you know, by your... I'm an extrovert. Your, I yeah. it. Right. Yeah. And you were feeling good. And then yeah. you came home to feel like you were letting someone down. And, and then that, that was painful. Yeah. And, felt like, yeah. and, like, that, I think, is so huge to the, be able to see the, the intersect in the middle of those feelings. It's the holding... The, it's holding opposing truths right which like whether we're talking about relationship dynamics or just like our dynamics in the world Mm -hmm. one of the pillars or cornerstones of eq is actually this ability to hold opposing truths Mm -hmm. Mm. and so even this idea of owning our part if i can hold okay i did this thing that upset my partner right and that is valid his feelings are valid and i can apologize for that it doesn't also mean that i am bad or that i'm a shitty partner right? right like both things can be true and that when I get into that space, it's so much easier for me to say, yeah, you were right. There, well, there is also this other piece, this other layer where I felt like I was just like a loner with a boner in the corner. Yeah. Like I felt very stupid. Yeah. Sure. yeah you know what I'm that's, saying? That's valid. Like yeah. waiting in the bed, like for half me. naked, you know, excited and just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah. I felt st- stood up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think also when we approach our partner too, like if my partner, if he says to me, you know, Man, baby, it just was really painful to feel like I just got like left alone and like you know fit. And then if, if he says that, then I'm right. like, oh my god, babe, yeah. like, I love right. you. Right. Yeah. When he goes like, you did this thing. You said you're gonna be home like in right. 15 minutes. Right. Like then suddenly you're like, excuse me, <laughs> you got it, right? Yes. It's like granted, we can't always do that in the moment, but I feel like what's been really big for me is if he can peel back and and access and be like man, I was just really scared that I failed you. Really scared I wasn't enough for you. Really scared that you didn't want to make time for me. Then like that, I feel so soft. Sure, yeah. because moment. then that Huge. creates the soil, right? And so the the big thing in the book, um, one of my favorites is we say, uh, you have to try to understand before trying to be understood. And mm. that's what makes the um, soil safe if two people are doing it. So for mm-hmm. me, yeah, she could have came in. I could have said, "Well, why don't you fucking live there then?" Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I could have said, "All this, you know, um, I, well, I'll go somewhere else." You know, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but I, I really took a minute. And I said, "Listen, she's very social. She's an extrovert. She's having a good time." I tried to understand, like you know, and also she lost track of time, and so I didn't come at her. But at the same time, I did say to her, "Hey, this is how I kind yeah. of felt." And then I, I think you know, I don't know what's going on inside, but on the outside, she. Said, hey, you know, you're right. And yeah. I, I, um, I, I could see how that was for you. And that's where the road forks. Mm-hmm. That's where now we have the people coming with each other instead of at each other mm-hmm. or around each other. And this is now where lovemaking could happen. No, this is now where. Yeah. Um, it did, um, by the way. Yeah. And this is, no, <laughs> it but almost this, didn't, but it follow. Did. This no. is where no, we were just going to go to sleep <laughs> yeah. pissed. And I was like, fuck, this, I don't want to. Let's wanna. not do this. And also, yeah. we're hypocritical. 
And so, you know, kind of inched over. It took a long time, but but eventually (laughs) we we thought out and we came. And then um, there was a tipping point where then it's we soften. Yeah. We understand. And now we're less angry. We both feel heard. Yep. We both took ownership. Mm -hmm. And And there's no right or wrong. It just is, right? It just is. Like, I think that's also another thing, too, with couples. We're not internalizing it. And Mm -hmm. that's when you can then start touching each other literally again. well and I think like I, I so I guess to share what you're talking about really resonates because like something that we've struggled with is um in other in previous parts of our relationship it's been this pattern and you might be able to relate to with young kids you're also really tired and a lot of times your yeah. only like intimate moments are like yeah. really late at night and like yeah. What happens from my history, like there's been a lot of bypassing what I want in terms of sexual relationships, right? Because I was not, no one ever told me like, oh, if you don't like this, it doesn't feel good. You don't have to do it. So I was just always like, oh, you know. Patriarchy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, and just no one, it's crazy. Just like no one, no No one one told me that. that. Mm -hmm. And so even if it came down to the, and you know, it's a struggle for so many women I know too, even if it's the last 20 seconds where you go, this isn't feeling good, but he's about to come. So I'll just, those little moments, those are building a narrative in your body. Right. And so I have been really trying to seek out, like, am I doing this compulsively Mm -hmm. because I want to connect because I'm not getting emotionally met? Like, you know, and so trying to figure out those boundaries and that can get really confusing when you're sleep deprived. It's, and so like, that's been a, that has been a thing in our relationship where I've been like, I want to connect with you, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I'm like, no, actually let's stop. This is like an exact thing that played out, you know? And then he's like, okay, well I'm just going to go take care of myself. And then also I can be a little anxious and I'm like, no, we'll just come back. You know, let's try again. Let me, let me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, actually, no. And then actually, and it's like, and I'm really, and I'm getting confused, right? It's like, it's not like I'm just trying to like string along. I'm getting confused on myself. I really, really, truly want this. Yes. And I want you like for you. Right. Which one is it? Yes. And it's kind of shifting back and forth. And then I'm like, oh, I'm feeling anxious, so I should stop. Mm -hmm. But then I'm feeling like I desire to connect with you. And like, yeah. And then what's happened is then he gets that exact feeling of getting kind of pissed off. Yeah. And in the past, sometimes that's been like okay I can't fucking you know what's happening and then that um, that heat in that scenario in that context of sex for me has become so activating where Mm. I just emotionally shut Mm. down you know where I'm Mm -hmm. like I can't do this and then that's created like a wound and what we've been really processing recently is that those wounds over time have led to me just totally being like so anxious of like I don't even want to enter into anything physical because I just don't it want it to create happen. Yeah. it might, might happen. happen yeah and yeah. I don't yeah. want to create anything more between us because like maybe we can just kind of skirt around this because everything else seems to work pretty well right. um but then what's crazy is in those moments just very recently and outside of those moments where I've just been able to be like I'm really like scared right now and really like open up or like, I really want to connect the night. Look at me in the eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Like see how badly I love you. Like, and how much I want to connect with you. Right. And, um, in those moments where we're able to come back together and like, see what the other person's going through. It's crazy how much that can be a salve on those wounds. Even just like one moment of being, it's not avoiding the heat. It's when you're in the heat and you can reconnect how much that can heal like those other parts Mm -hmm. and just smooth it over. And it just sometimes takes five or 10 minutes. But anyway, I just really related to what you're saying. I mean, that's thank you for telling. Yeah. I mean, it feels this is the thing about having these conversations, right? Is that it's so 
healing to hear somebody else and then hear yourself in their story, mm. right? Because then you go, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. This is normal. I am normal, right? And I mean, this is a current thing that him and I are working through. Mm -hmm. It's very similar, you know? I mean, I've spent my life essentially being told whether non-verbally or verbally, you know, covertly or overtly, your sexual responsibility is to make sure that your man is taken care yeah. of, right? This is what women are told. You know, their ego, protecting their ego is far more important mm -hmm. than anything about you, yeah. right? Your needs, your desires, your satisfaction, anything. And I've hit this point in my life. Part of it is, I think, having a daughter. Absolutely. Right? Pregnancy like has, brought a big, a lot out in me. Yep. I was like, didn't know that was there. Yep. And I think part of this is like, and John and I will kind of jokingly say, I'm like, I'm kind of sorry that you're getting this version of me because no I'm version. like, no, you know? <laughs> because Whereas, all her other boyfriends, she's like, yes, what yeah, can I do? Right. My like, boyfriend's okay. always like, what, what is that? Like, what about the, all these other stories you have? Yeah. 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 So you're, you're, you're with your exes, you gave them <laughs> everything sexually <laughs> at any time when they wanted yeah. on demand. And then when it's me, it's like, well, I don't feel like doing it. Yeah. yeah. I don't really want to suck your dick in a parking lot. Yeah. Let's yeah. no. just go to the movie. That's like past me. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to watch the movie. I'm yeah. sorry that you know that I may have done that yeah. before. Yeah. But yeah. You're not getting yeah. that. I, I, I just broke, I, we went to Santa Barbara recently, and one of my dreams growing up in LA, because I'm a, car, a gearhead, is to take up a, a Porsche convertible up the, up the PCH and get roadhead while mm -hmm. doing it, right? And so I hinted to her, and I was like, yeah, this is not, she doesn't want to do it. That's not her thing. And of course, I got over it, but I was like, Oh, that's a different. That's the. I that's probably the would have ten years ago. Yes, <laughs> even if she didn't want even to. Even if I didn't want to. Right. But now it's like you know what? I'd rather drink kombucha and enjoy the sun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, but see that that's so gross soothe. though. Also, how special that you can be safe enough with him yeah. to say no. That's the well, thing. Well, that's it, right? And yeah. so I actually one of my girlfriends, my best friend, and I have that's talked a lot thing. about this, and she has said, you know, so much of this also is healing codependency, mm -hmm. right? And I talk about this in the book. I mean, the codependent. Not to say John didn't have a part in that, but this is like that's like my jam is codependency. Yeah. It's yeah. like. As a society, like we are a codependent society. We are taught that real love looks, feels, sounds. It's all codependent, mm -hmm. right? I can't live without you. You complete me. Um, if there's no chemistry, then clearly it's not meant to be. You know, all of these are very codependent mm -hmm. ways of looking at relationships. You're just this like need meeting machine that should be meeting all of my needs, you know? Um, and so uh, one of my girlfriends and I, when we've been kind of processing what's coming up for me, this exact conversation, she has said, yeah, Vanessa, but you stand in that. And then John's allowed to do with it what he will. Mm. Yeah. So the scary part about that mm -hmm. is there might be a point. I'm not saying this is really true for you, but there might be a point, And I have to understand this, that you say, I'm not willing to sit in this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you say that to me, I have to be able to stand in my, my truth and say, then that's your choice to make. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it just because it's going to keep the attachment. Yeah. When you say I'm not willing to sit in it, you mean it's, um, I, it doesn't work for me anymore? Right, yeah. Like, like I want the sex yeah. kind of thing. The right. dumpsters, you're not giving me dumpster sex. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work for me anymore. Right, right. right. and it's right. enough right. to make me leave, right? right? And the right. hard part in really doing this work is to say, if that's his truth, I have to honor his truth, but honor my truth too. Right, because you're loving yourself first. Yes, it's yeah. the choosing yeah. yourself, right? That's hard. And, and the thing is, is that I do believe, even though it's hard for John, I do believe he is getting the best version of me mm -hmm. because I am choosing myself. We all win in that, mm -hmm. right? I don't believe anybody really wins. You might get the dumpster sex right. in the moment, but like deep down you don't win when yeah. I'm not choosing me. And mm -hmm. so 
it, this is hard. And again, it's like having young kids, like really trying to rewrite these old narratives yeah. as a woman. Um, I want to have agency over my body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never been told that I can do that. Yeah. And I think having a daughter has made me realize like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a struggle. And look, John well, first is like. Time, well, first of all, realistically, it's not going to be a hell yes every time. I mean, yeah. You know, right. I mean, that's fair. There's but, compromise. And yeah. We, yeah. But then we get right. into like what you were saying. Right. It's like, do I, don't I? I don't right. And yeah. I've been there too. Yeah. And you get, you feel that little feeling like there, that's the thing you start to, it's trying to clarify like what that little feeling is because you've overridden it so many times. By listening to everything and everyone else. Exactly. And that you're like, okay, wait, you're trying to find that in those moments sometimes. And sometimes you've just got to even pause to try to clarify like, is that there? Because I don't want to override it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, and I think that that's where the tricky part comes. And honestly, I I think it's something that a lot of men have a difficult understanding like I think that mm-hmm. you know uh, just with biological wiring I feel like there's so much compartmentalization you know and it's like I don't know it's just different different I also way think of approaching we've things socialize them that's mm-hmm. absolutely true not to understand it right we haven't that's given them the emotional true. tools we haven't and I'm speaking broadly obviously and like being general but like even John who has this amazing capacity as a human he, just yep. like us, is still raised in the same system. Yep. He's still raised in the same society, right? And right. so there is still what, it's not conscious. There's so much That's unconscious so wiring for so many men that are like, yeah, but this is your role. Right, because I've this is something that I've said to my partner where I'm like, you know, I think about all the times where I feel like I didn't have agency. What about him? He slept with so many women. And <laughs> did he ever feel like when that woman approached him to have sex... Did it ever come into his mind that he could say, like, I'm not really into yeah. that right now? I mean, what's the program, the cultural programming? He would feel Hot girl like in le- front of you. Less of a man. Of a man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hot I mean, girl in front of you. Take advantage of the situation. She's yeah. here wanting to have sex yeah. with you. Like, yeah. do but it. But you're right. The negative is he would have felt, if he did really feel that way, mm-hmm. he probably wouldn't have said it no. because of that. No, no. Yeah. and yeah. he might not even be able to recognize it because yes. there's that cultural yeah. narrative of, like, this is what I should be I'm doing. Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my last book, uh, this is why I'm saying it because it was in a book. Uh, right before I met Vanessa, um, I met someone who lived in San Diego, and it was just kind of like a physical thing. And Was that in single on purpose? Yes. Three okay. times in a row, I couldn't get it up. Mm. So like the first time I couldn't, what a big, not a big deal. And she's like, oh, whatever. Listen. Second time, and of course the pressure, yeah. Oh, yeah. the locker room, you know, manhood, man. time What is worth. wrong with me? By yeah. the third time at bat, I was terrified. Like of everything course. was on this. The stadium was watching. Dude, if you can't get it up. And also... Um, I think because I, I, I met her on Instagram and she kind of uh, liked my work, I felt like I was letting her down. Mm. And I was like, I got it. And of course, without pressure, nothing. So then um, even to today, it was like traumatic. Yeah. Of course. And yeah. I keep explaining. And then I, when Vanessa said, you know, well, what about what she was thinking? She was probably thinking not that, you know, he's not a man, but what's wrong with me? Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Why oh, can't no, we put it yeah, right I'm back on ourselves? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're both probably thinking very yeah. different things. Yeah. And uh, both feeling bad about ourselves. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And so like, yeah, you're right. I mean, me growing up at, say, like age nine, being introduced to pornography, you know, sports, locker rooms, um, you know, uh, comparing penis sizes, feeling inadequate because you don't have a baby arm, all of that stuff. (laughs) And then the pressure of that. And then, yes, you know, uh, that translating into bedroom intimacy Mm -hmm. um, and and all of that. We all suffer. We all suffer. Men and women, you know. Mm -hmm. I... By the way, I just, I meant to say this earlier, but I love, I listened to Single on Purpose right after the podcast. I listened to the audible version oh, yeah. of it. And um, 
what you were just saying this you, Jess or one of you was talking about the tone of going back and forth between the two of you one thing I loved about single on purpose is I felt like I was really getting to know you mm. yeah and like I'm excited to dive into this book and like know both of you mm. and I think that that's like a really special way the audio to write both a self-help book oh, too. So yes. enjoy that. yeah, yeah. It, like we go back and forth in the audio it feels like a podcast because yeah, yeah. we're actually yeah you're going back and that's so cool yeah. yeah no but I felt like I really was getting insight into your experience and then there was like so much more credibility and learning yeah. to come from that because I was mm-hmm. like you know it wasn't just He's someone telling person. me what to do it's right. like oh I can un- like you said seeing myself in the other person was yeah. really cool Thank quickly you. though um, you mentioned being exposed to porn at yeah. such a young age yeah. and like you kind of were just like oh, oh the idea of a nine year old it just like kills me yeah. I know and and I and this guess, was the 80s yeah. you had to know people to get yeah. porn <laughs> you had to seek that shit <laughs> out oh, no, nine year olds today are you kidding me yeah. are you six kidding year olds everywhere six, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's touch like, your phone I mean yeah. crazy I didn't know someone who had an older brother yeah. who had, you know, right you know, like, I know um, I guess like I always think about these cultural narratives, right? Like we're entering into this age of like no more sexual repression, which I think is really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's a lot of really like potentially toxic narratives yeah. about sure. sex going on. And one thing that I've really like felt in my own relationship and also what I've viewed in culture is a real lack of understanding of like intimacy mm-hmm. in sex and like what that means. And instead of just this exchange of physical pleasure, this, I, I was just, I was just talking to my boyfriend about this the other day. Cause we were talking about um, men that women find attractive. And I was like, you know, what's like really attractive sexually in a man is like, if you can be in a sexual interaction and if he can pick up on the subtlety and be like, is everything all good? Like mm. something just shifted. And we were talking about mm. like, how difficult it is to be with a man who doesn't know how to tune into those cues and is just senses the shift and either can't recognize it or Or just completely ignores it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like something that we've like struggled with and really talked about in our relationship. I just be curious on your perspective of how porn can play into that and like kind of, I don't know, like what you see in terms of of how that can affect relations. Because there's two, there's two nerves, right? There's like Mm -hmm. this, right wing narrative of like porn is evil puritanical and, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's keep and it like, Christian right if anybody <laughs> watches porn they're yeah. a porn yeah. addict yeah. but then I do see also people being like porn addiction isn't real and like porn is fine in relationships yeah. and yeah. it's good for all relationships and I'm like I really don't think that's one extreme true. or the other sure. mm-hmm. yes um, I think it's unique to the individual their mm-hmm. story you know um, and how it affects them but uh, I'll start with this uh, early dating when we met I said to Vanessa because I'm a little kinky I said hey um, can I slap you? Mm-hmm. And she said, if you slap me, I'm slapping you back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's not, that's not hard. That was hard. very serious. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, wait. He's like, uh, that's um, not what I want. She set the tone real quick. Uh, <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> I think that um, pornography um, can definitely play a part in the bedroom being a scoreboard, uh, mm-hmm. especially for men. I should just speak for myself. Performance. Um, not being a, um, observing those cues. Mm-hmm. We just took our first uh, Tantra 101 class. Oh my know? God, so yeah. fun. I've been wanting to. Just the very basics. And like our homework was to massage each other for an hour each. Three hour. Three hour session. That's session. really We don't have long. the time, but anyway. That's what I said. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was going to say my wrist. <laughs> like, I don't know if my wrist can handle that. We muted it. We were like, that's not happening. Yeah. But um, to so do long. it Lovely where um, touching. Um, in a way that you don't usually touch, so yeah. not the patterns, but maybe like 
you know, massaging the earlobe, yeah, sure. just not no orgasming, judgment, right? Not orgasming, yep. uh, lots of communication, yep. um, eye gazing, like Breathing. things that are completely opposite of what we see mm-hmm. in or have seen in porn. Yeah. And so, um, this idea of rewiring. And I think uh, at 49, I am more thirsty for those kind of sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's you know it's not just about skin hunger anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's biology, society, mm-hmm. hormonal. But um, in my twenties, I would be lying if I was tell to tell you like, oh, I'm all I want to do. I want to have stink sex mm-hmm. nine hours of tantra or whatever. Oh, sting? <laughs> I thought you said stink sex. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is stink sex? I don't know. Like, I don't even know <laughs> that king I don't like, want to talk about nah. this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I stop at the little lightful, playful yeah. uh, 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 laughing, but um, but now, and I think it's part of also like evolution, curiosity, uh, spiritual, being mm-hmm. spiritually connected to your partner, uh, and so I think uh, your taste changes, you know, mm-hmm. and I think also for Vanessa, maybe in in her twenties, roadhead and dumpsters and all that was hot and sexy, uh, mm-hmm. even if there's sometimes she didn't want to do it, and that's not where she's at today, you know, so it's reading your partner where they're at and sharing, um. And exploring too. Yeah, I mean, it just it just comes down to like, is it performative or not for me? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I just spent the better part of my life having performative sex, and I don't want to do that anymore. We had a guest on our podcast who I had slept with, and I had said on the podcast before that he had listened to. I was like, we didn't have good sex, and then he like came oh. on our podcast. He's like, what are you talking He's about? Like, what do you you mean? know, and I'm like, <laughs> you're like, you thought we had good yeah. sex. Yeah, I'm a great actress. Yeah. yeah. Um, Most That's women not, are. Yeah, this is the Harry like, Met Sally scene, mm-hmm. right? Where he like, yeah, yeah, what are you, you talking about? And she fakes it, and it's like, like he's dumbfounded. It's like, do you really not realize how yeah. often that happens? Yeah, and then I really like thought about it after, and then actually he came on the podcast again, and I don't remember if I fully ver- verbalized it, but what I was just thinking is like, it's not even about like you mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it was about my feeling of mm-hmm. feeling safe and vulnerable. Yeah. And feeling like I had agency, feeling like I felt comfortable enough with you to verbalize my needs yes. and, and relax and feel safe with you. And that wasn't there. That's not really a that's not really a technique thing right. or no. anything. Like that. How did he take it when you said that wasn't good? Was he? Well, he didn't. I didn't see him in the moment, yeah. but he because oh. he listened to the podcast. Right. And they came and then he on. Came he was kind of like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, clarify something. How dare you? because I had. Um, so I have a friend. I mean, I would I would still call him a friend. So I've known him since I was like sixteen, and it's been one of those like very love each other dearly. It's a physical relationship, but it's like physical when we're single, and then we're just friends when we're not single, mm-hmm. and then physical. I mean, we've known mm-hmm. him literally since I was sixteen, mm-hmm. and we've had this cycle a million times. And I remember um, before I met John, so I moved to L.A. He's actually here. He's in California. And we reconnected after having not for years. And it was like wonderful and lovely. And I was already on this journey, which I hadn't been. I mean, I had 16 when I met him. Right. So imagine he knew me then. He knows me now. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the sex was very different. And I remember saying to him after the fact, and this is a friend. I've known him for my, most of my life. I am at a place in my life where I don't, I, something along the lines of like, I don't want to have sex with somebody that I don't love anymore. And I'm not saying like, I love you, I want to get married to you. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just like, I want to feel mutual love, right? Yeah. And even this person who I've known almost my whole life, who I would consider like actually a very elevated man in a lot of ways, totally fucking disappeared. Hmm. Now we've talked since, sure. but there was a moment there where there was like a disappearing from a friendship perspective. I wasn't expecting to date this guy. Mm-hmm. 
I was like heartbroken because I remember thinking like you of all people, I thought I could share that with you. And I was telling you, I do love vulnerable. you. I do love you. Mm-hmm. I've known you since I was a mm-hmm. kid and we have this amazing relationship and he couldn't handle it. He couldn't, at least my perception is that he couldn't tolerate it. Yeah. Right? We never actually really talked about what happened mm-hmm. with him. You're going to call him up right now. I We're going to say yeah. we're on a podcast. <laughs> this is so what happened. About. Yeah. And maybe and, what he wanted was just physical and that scared him. But he I doesn't also, want anything. Yeah. Else. yeah but, anything which is fair, but also but it's like, like maybe the, he misinterpreted what you were saying. Right. He was thinking maybe I wanted a relationship right. and I was right. just saying, I love you. I've known you since I was a kid. There's right. a love here. What you're saying is I want to care about someone, right? right? And, and I also think we've talked about this on the podcast before. I think you can bring that into one night stands where you can be like I "I feel compassion and care towards you as a human who Mm -hmm. I have respect for and I want to make sure that you're okay because I I love you enough as a person to care about your experience and what you're what you're, what you're and going wouldn't that make one night stands actually better yes Yes. at least I mean at least you you know what's (laughs) interesting um, I have to go by the way but uh, you know what's interesting is uh, that's not interesting but what's interesting (laughs) is as she's saying that there is the um residue the insecurity the old john um that's jealous and curious Mm. if he was better or bigger or what did he do where she kept coming back Mm -hmm. you know like there is that that shrinkage in me uh and of course that that's short-lived uh as as opposed to my 20s that would be for you know weeks Mm -hmm. um but even as she's saying that um, I feel that in me. Mm-hmm. I feel the um, the jealousy or the, you know, what did he have that I didn't have or, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff, yeah. which is, I mean, it just makes me human. But yeah, yeah and that's a, that's a story I know. Yeah. It's someone that I didn't, I don't know, no, but no, just no. her saying I had sex with this guy and I just did it for the sex makes me feel like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And my work is to not fix that for you but yeah. just to say I hear you and I can give you compassion for those feelings two hours she was talking to this girl our neighbor <laughs> <laughs> two hours three hours it was four it hours was, she's still there Seven. actually <laughs> <laughs> they're moving in together well thank you so much for coming on yeah. thank you so yeah. much Okay, Broad, so I don't care that it's now officially September. I'm trying to keep that summer glow as long as humanly possible, which means I need to prioritize giving my skin a little extra TLC, and my favorite way to do that is with Osea. Oh my god, we've talked so much about how much we love Osea. It's the skincare brand I literally have not stopped using since I first discovered them. The results are amazing. I love this brand. You guys... Osea? Oh. Anytime I've talked to a friend and they've used Osea, we have like an instant bond and instant connection because I'm like, you know how good they are. They have been around for like 25 years. They have perfected their formulas. Oh my gosh. Get the Body Glow Trio Kit. This is everything you need to keep that summer glow around long day, long after the summer days are over. You get the um, Andaria Algae Body Oil. Incredible. You get the Moisturizing Body Scrub. Perfect for exfoliating. And you get a plant-based body brush. And you, I start with the brush before I shower to exfoliate the skin. Then I use the scrub. And then, of course, the body oil, locking in the moisture. It is my favorite. It's not sticky or greasy. And it's going to give you all of the moisture that you need. And like everything Osea makes, all of the products in the Total Body Glow Trio Kit are clean, safe, responsibly sourced, vegan, cruelty-free, and powered by the sea. 
Do yourself a favor and grab some Osea just in time for fall. Your skin will thank you. Find your new skincare and body care favorites at oseamalibu.com. You get a special discount that's just for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first order site-wide by using code CHATTY10. You get free samples with every order and orders over 50 bucks get free shipping. So go to oseamalibu.com, promo code CHATTY10. Use code code chatty10 at ocmalibu.com. Well, now that John's gone, now we can really part of a partner. Real John. You're like, real, real. guys, I wrote this whole book single-handedly. <laughs> Fuck him. Okay, what I actually would love to go over, though, okay, two things. One yep. thing in the book that I wanted to bring up, and then I actually posted on Instagram, um, what is the hardest part in your relationship? Mm. And I've received immediately normally questions and trickle answers in. trickle in no within <laughs> it's just your a instagram crash like, yeah within Goosh. five minutes i had hundreds like i'm scrolling yeah. through people are like relationship struggles let me tell yeah. you yeah. Yeah. um but one part of the book that really stood out to me just even looking through the chapters that i immediately went to was i'm not your mother you're not my son oh, and i one. would love if you would talk a little bit about that chapter and just kind of yeah, just talk about that. This Take is, it away. It's good that John's not here because he is so sick of hearing me and my friends talk about this specific topic. Um, I mean, obviously, he's on the receiving end of it, but yeah. it's... Uh, I, I, so my best girlfriend, the one that I have my podcast with, we talk so much about these like the masculine and feminine dynamics and how that shows up in relationships. And it's this mother-son stuff. Um, you know, it's fascinating because Esther Perel talks a lot about how the second the parental dynamic shows up in a relationship, there won't be any erotic feeling, right? Because we are hardwired as animals to not have sex with our offspring. Mm -hmm. So the second that feeling is there, we don't want to have sex with them anymore, right? Um, There's a lot of things at play, I think, when it comes to this, like, we'll just say mother-son dynamic, but it could just be parental, right? Because I've seen it happen the other way around. I do think, And we're not talking about mommy kinks either. No, no, no. (laughs) It's such a different... We're but talking actually, like I have another child. Yeah, yeah. Day, to take the day to day issues, and and not yeah. even and joking even aside, like when people play with that kind of like kink and fetish, mm-hmm. it's really different than like I am having to be your like emotional caretaker yes. and your personal assistant in your life, making sure that everything yeah. lines up the way you need it to. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you know that there's that book slash now documentary Fair Play that's uh-huh. just come out, right? Yes. So I think this is a topic that's hot. And right everyone now. always brings up that book, and I still haven't read it. Watch the documentary. Okay. It's it's great. The person who the woman who wrote it's in it too, so she, it's very like on point for the book. Um, sidebar: I didn't realize Gavin Newsom's wife is like some amazing documentary film. <laughs> what I did not know that either. She did the movie. Oh, what? Interesting. Who would have known? Who would have known? <laughs> anyway, that's my little sidebar for y'all. Um, but it's it's a hot topic right now, right? And again, going back to I hate to like be the be the female that's constantly like you know smash the patriarchy, but I mean. We do have to look at the structure in which we're raised. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we all suffer. It's not just that women suffer in this. Men suffer in this too. But we have essentially gotten ourselves, let's just talk heteronormatively, right? We've gotten ourselves into a situation where women do it all. Women are expected to do it all with a smile on their face, without a complaint, right? Um, and then we're expected to also want to jump our husband's partner's bones at the end of the day after doing it, right? And nobody wins in this because the men feel emasculated and the women feel maternalized, right? Mm-hmm. No one's having fun sex at all. Um, and no one's partnerships are really all that like satisfying. Mm-hmm. 
What I will say is that as somebody who struggles immensely with codependent behaviors, and I've done a lot of recovery work around this, um, it is my tendency to mother, not right. just my partner, but everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm the mom in the group. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the I was always the designated driver when I was younger. I'm yeah. always the one holding everybody's <laughs> hair when they're puking. Like I'm the mom, right? Um, and it shows up. And I'm the oldest in my siblings. I was parentified. I Me grew up too, really yeah. young. Yeah. You know, I was the caretaker. I was the caretaker of my mom's needs too, in a lot of ways. She was young. And uh, so it's very natural for me to fall into that role. And it's easy for John to fall into, he's the youngest. Yeah. Uh, and he's used to people, honestly, his partners as well, kind of taking care of him. And so it's work for both of us to be like, ew, I don't like this. Ew, I feel really gross in this. A lot of times it comes from him saying what you said felt really mothering. Oh, mm-hmm. 100%. And then does that then bring out, a few, this is really plays out in our partner <laughs> dynamic where then I'm like, well, stop acting like a Maybe fucking 12-year-old. Maybe if you didn't act like a child, I wouldn't <laughs> right. treat you like Why are one? you trying to rebel against me? Yeah. I'm literally just like trying to be like, hey, yeah. could you do this? Because I need this. And he's like, what? Do you have any more chores yeah. for me? I'm like, no, this is our house. Yeah. You know? Your house too. It's not a chore. (laughs) Just like it's not babysitting if it's your fucking kid. You go to to work actually and I'll I'll clean it up, right? I'll I'll handle it. Sure. Well, but this is the thing because this is the like expectation. Mm -hmm. These are the roles that we've been given. And how often have I stepped into that and not said anything too or been like, you don't even care about researching the pediatrician. So like, I'm going to do it, right? Yes. This is uh, Glennon Doyle actually Not talked about this. research. Mm. Yes. <laughs> she talked about this on her podcast and her dynamic is obviously really interesting, right? right? Because she has her ex-husband, but now she's married to a right. woman. And so they mm-hmm. talk about this amazing difference in dynamics and the way that they did it because Glennon was the person that carried this mental load, right? Was like her husband, her ex-husband, Craig, it was like teeth are your area, period. If the kid's teeth falls out because you don't that's on you. do that's on you. <laughs> I am out of teeth. Like it's not my jam, right? Mm-hmm. And so they really got they delineated. Well, I'm trying to think of the word by doing it that way, right? That might work for some of my not sure. work for others, but it, it's a way for you to not do the mothering. Did you make the appointment yet? Have you taken the? Are you brushing their teeth? Are you making sure? Which we have the tendency to do. Which listen. Let's be real. Feels really fucking and mothering. Annoying and very annoying. like. I don't like being that way. Either. And then you're also like, what? Can you not trust me to like take care of our kids? And I think it's like there's it's a two way street because weaponizing competence is one is thing. A thing. And people always bring that up when I talk about this, like on yep. Instagram. But I'm like, but also, but also, girl, step back and yeah. let him take some responsibility. Because yeah. if you're stepping in every time, being like, oh my god, just I'll just do, do it. Stop. I'll just no, do you're it. Doing it wrong. You're doing it but wrong. That you're is codependency. So here's the thing, right? Let's <sighs> talk about. If I'm looking at codependency from strictly like a like a substance recovery model, the research shows that if you're the codependent in the relationship, so if you're the one that's like doing more than you should be doing, enabling like all the things that codependency, you know, kind of brings forward, the research shows that when you start to work on you and take care of your shit and focus on yourself, mm-hmm. the person on the receiving end, so in this research the addict, right? Yeah. gets better. Their tendency to get gets better increases, right? The percentage, the, the risk, it, it's far better. Um, meaning you got to let them fuck up. You got to let them do it their way. You can't step in and tell them you're doing it wrong. I do it right, whatever. And I struggle with that because I don't know. I am more like connected intuitively to my daughter sometimes. And I'm just like, I know what she wants before she even has to say well, what she wants. Well, it's an impatience too, right? You're like, let's be time efficient. I'll just mm-hmm. step in and do it. Let's be quicker. Yeah. And she won't be as upset about it because I know how she likes it right. because I just know her and he'll get her all rattled and she'll cry. And right. I don't have time for that. Right. Um, no, 
And also her crying is okay. Right. She needs to tell her dad, you're not doing it right. Right. They need to have that relationship. Let them have their own relationship, right? I'm mm-hmm. also taking her voice away mm. if we're talking about kids, right? I yeah. know her. Yeah, right. I know her and I'm going to do it how she wants. Yeah. Do I want her to feel like I'm also taking her voice? No, I don't want right. that. Um, my therapist actually was one of the ones that said to me, you know, you're building emotional resilience in your child in those micro moments where you let her scream at him because he's not doing something the way she likes it mm-hmm. rather than swoop in and fix it for her. Right. You're empowering her. She's still, I mean, she's verbal, you know what I mean? But you're empowering her to start to get to that place where you can say, I don't like it that way. I like it this way. Right. Rather than expecting somebody else to know. And you're not bypassing every uncomfortable moment to right. like trying to make right. sure she doesn't experience negative emotions. Which also. that in itself, right? Is its yeah. own bag of yeah. But yeah, there's so much to this. I mean, you know, just to kind of touch on this like masculine feminine thing, which my, my girlfriend does so beautifully. She's actually writing a book about it um, right now. There's also this thing that happens where motherhood in and of itself, especially young child motherhood, is a very masculine energetic. It's very like, yes, there's like the nurturing part of it, but the day to day is actually very Sorry, masculine. Guys, speaking of, I'm getting a call from the school. Oh, Uh-oh. dear. You guys can keep talking. Okay. Motherhood. Make sure oh, our children geez. are okay. Man, if there were ever a real <laughs> oh, <man>. live <laughs> in the flesh example of what this is. Okay, masculine. Yeah. That exactly. Right. So people might think, oh, it's, it's actually very feminine. It's not. The day-to-day is very, right? It's like timing, organization. Oh my God, yeah. Got to get out the door yes, here. Yes, Got to yes, do that. Yes, List yes. making. And goal. And goal. Like everything yes. is actually very masculine. Yes. yes. If I am in my masculine, it's going to be really hard for me to slip into feminine, receptive, sexuality, sensuality, fluid, fluid go with the flow. Right. There is a natural tendency in our partnerships, our romantic partnerships, for us to want to be opposite polarities. Yeah. Right? So if I'm constantly in my masculine, I'm going to, by nature, push my, again, heteronormatively, I'm going to push my husband, my partner, whatever, into his feminine. Right. Which is going to then... And I think that that can happen, right, in any gender dynamic. For sure. Yeah. For sure. It actually doesn't matter. We usually, one is in the masculine, one is in the feminine, and it's fluid. We kind of bounce around. But as a as a woman, and I do think this is, and I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, but this is something I talk about with her a lot. There's been a, so much amazingness that's come out of the feminism movement, and one of the negatives has been, in order to be more respected, you have to be more like a man. Oh my god, one hundred percent. Also, right? you have to fucking do it all, right? You have to do it's it all. Like, it's Don't such fucking a call dis- me superwoman. It's offensive. No, it's such a. <laughs> it's such a. It's too much to say that we must. And let's be real, like taking care of a home, like in meals and children and all of that is a load and a half. Yeah. Right. And when you're also expected, like you said, to be operating in this and, and we're it's a, masculine is a gendered term, but I it's not I'm, gendered. It, right, right. It's an energy. It's right. An, we and, all have masculine and feminine in us. Right. And so when we're expected to do that or also be the breadwinner and the schedule maker and the it's like, yeah, it's too. It's and too then you want much. me to slip into my feminine and have sex with you and be sensual. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. next to impossible. It's not a light switch. No. Right. And the part that I can own in that. Right. Is that. I'm in my hyper-masculine. I'm not allowing my partner to step in and do things because the part that I can own is I actually should be asking for more. I should be just letting him do it, whether it's my version of right or wrong Mm -hmm. or whatever. 
And by not doing that, I'm keeping him in the feminine. Yeah. And it's a wounded feminine. It's not a healthy feminine. I just had this conversation with a friend yesterday because he was saying, you know, in our culture, we want men to be or we want men to be less masculine. And I was like, well, the 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 um, the irony is that our culture is too masculine. Right. Mm -hmm. We're we're always like, go, go, go. Wounded masculine. Exactly. Productivity. And then he said the same thing where he was like, but then men tend to step in the feminine. And I was literally thinking about it on the drive here. I was Mm -hmm. like, that's I don't even it's just childish, right? It it's just a childlike state of being. It is. And, and so, again, if you think about it, in like, we are naturally pushed into polarity. So if my partner slips into wounded feminine, I'm going to slip into wounded masculine. If I can work towards making my way into like more healthy feminine, I allow him the space to be healthy masculine. Yeah. It's not that we want our men to be more feminine. We want our men to have an equal of healthy masculine, which yes. is containing and yes. safe. <laughs> and, exactly. Right? And we want them also to be able to contain healthy feminine which right. is nurturing yes because by the way that exists in all of us we've just socialized it out of and them it's also and creative us. and it's wild and yes. it's being able Free to touch a million things at once with our spider web of spider web of thought that tuned in what you were talking about yeah. earlier being tuned in mm. in the moment that's healthy feminine yeah it's the empathy mm. right it's the intuitive nature mm. that's healthy feminine the thing is is we are all born with an ability to have both but Healthy feminine is not only bashed out of men, it's bashed out of women too. Yes, We're, absolutely. We believe that anything feminine is weak, uh-huh. right? Um, and so we are all in this There's like, very no place wounded. for it in career. Yes. There's no place mm-hmm. for it, right? There's no place for it. No crying, no feelings, right, right. no empathy, no right. intuition. It's all logic. It's right. not creative, right? Um, so we're like I keep saying, we're all suffering. Mm-hmm. No one's winning in mm-hmm. this. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's like so much of this when you were talking about, I'm not your mother, you're not my son. For me, my understanding of it is, again, it's ownership. Yeah. It's noticing when I get into that space, what can I own? Yeah. Okay, I'm not giving him the ability to just do it his way. I feel like I have to be in control, right? All right. Sorry, guys. Please you- dive back in. We had a call from Ember School. We're all good. I apologize. Okay. Very masculine place yeah. of like, yeah. where'd you put it? What'd yeah. you do with it? Yeah. Where is it? Check the boxes. Yep. Is everything accounted for? Yep. And you're you're the go-to person that they call. Yes. Right? Always. Which is also a part of it. We're the go-to. <laughs> right. Why not call dad and ask where her backpack is mm-hmm. first? Right? <sighs> I'm not bashing him. This is a question oh, no. of like society. Why are you the one that we call? Sure. They have both numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a societal thing. Mm-hmm. Also, it, it, and he like, know where it was. Honestly, he's better. He, <laughs> he, I, lose, I lose more things. You yeah, called I called him. him. Say, I'm like, Do you know, where, it you is? know yeah. where all the shit is. You <laughs> took her to school today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what you were saying too? You mentioned like a con- the masculine, the healthy masculine is like a container. And I, I was having this conversation with a friend yesterday where he was saying also like, and this re- role of like the divine feminine energy mm-hmm. is also to push right and to sort of push and be like. Are you there? Are you yeah. firm? Are you are you standing in your masculine mm-hmm. in this foundation? Like, yes. which is um, fortifying, right? For that other energy too. It's testing and being yes. like, where are your weak spots? Where can we fill in these gaps mm-hmm. so that you can be like full and whole? So well put. Mm-hmm. Um, but then otherwise, it's just everything's just crumbling like in every direction. And if I don't feel safe, right? right? And I feel if like I'm pushing and punching cr- holes through everything. Then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to step into the masculine because mm-hmm. somebody's got to take care of this shit, right? Yeah. And then he's emasculated and feels like a child and I feel like your mother. So there's no like solve. 
Right? Yeah, I was gonna say, what's the antidote? Now yeah, give us the answers, I know. Vanessa. It's, it's really again. So going back to like ownership, it for me. It's about recognizing and noticing when I slip into that. Yeah, I was gonna say, how do you how do you uh, step into that healthy feminine space? It's fucking hard. Mm. Also, I tend to be it, it, it's upbringing too. So like, you know, I, I think for some of us, like I grew up single mom, not a lot of money, a lot of struggle. It's survival. You gotta prove yourself. You gotta prove yourself. Gritty. Um, you know, New York has a very masculine energy. It's. So it's hard for me to, to, to step into my feminine, especially because I have this narrative that I can't trust the men in my life to be safe mm-hmm. enough to allow me to be in my feminine, mm-hmm. right? And so um, it's a give and take. It's like there have been times where my girlfriend will say, you need to then push into that healthy feminine. And I'm like, but I don't trust that he'll be there when I do it. And she's like, right, but somebody's got to go first. Yeah. Mm. So if you allow yourself to soften into vulnerability, which is healthy feminine, softness, receptivity, right? He's either going to meet you there or he's not. But this isn't a tit for tat. You're doing that because that's what you need to be working exactly. on. You right. need to do that. Right. He's either going right. to meet you there or he's not. Right. right? But you know that you'll be okay. And ultimately, like we were talking about earlier, then that's also being true to yourself, right? Right. And doing what you need. Because ultimately, what you need to do is be able to access that healthy feminine. Like we were saying, regardless of what your gender identity Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. you still need that balance. If you're only in one space, and if it's a toxic version of that or a wounded version of that, like you're saying, you're going to experience imbalance in your life. You're only experiencing a small portion, right, of who you are. And so are they. So... The antidote is really, I mean, it's so much self-awareness and it's really hard to call yourself out because here's the thing. I'm at a place now where I, it doesn't feel good to be mothering mm-hmm. to my partner, mm-hmm. right? Like that feels icky to yeah, me. No. Mm-hmm. I don't like to nag. I don't like to feel that my partner's my child, right? But what can I own? Okay, that's what I'm feeling. Let me take a little bit of a self-examination here. Where can I own my shit and say, okay, I'm not going to do that. How can I stop mothering, right? I'm going to stop mothering. And maybe there is part of that that I have to talk to him about it. You know, okay, I'm noticing that this is the pattern. I'm noticing I'm doing this thing. I'm going to stop doing this thing, you know, and maybe there's a need in there. I really need you to pay more attention to X, Y, and Z. That would make me feel safer, mm-hmm. right? Um but then ultimately, again, it's like he's his own person. He's either going to meet me there or he's not. So it's a dance. It's like a constant checking in. Is there a balance that can be shifted? Okay, checking in. Is there a balance that can be shifted? And it's not going to be perfect. We're not always going to be perfect in that. Yeah. Um, but I do think so much for me, so much of the healing has come around this like agency, this like I need to own it. It's not about him. It's about me. What do I want? What do I want my daughter to see? In partnership. Because that wounded masculine is also taking on everyone else's problems too, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like saying, I can handle it. I can take it on. Um, Mm -hmm. Just even what we were talking about with sex earlier too is right. Like I'll handle what would bruise their ego and said like, I'll wound myself in order so that they don't have to feel that. Like it's this Mm -hmm. really kind of um martyr. I actually might say that that might be the wounded feminine really the martyrdom I feel like feels like the, the wounded feminine right it's needy it's martyry it's like I know better than you um it's hard it's hard it, this is like it's very fluid like this conversation is also very kind of like sure, sure, esoteric sure. and out there sure so there's not necessarily like a real like checklist but either way I think it's 
does it feel balanced to you? Because mm-hmm. most of us will know when we feel imbalanced. I mean, maybe not most of us, but a lot of us will know, oh, that doesn't feel right. doesn't mm-hmm. feel good in my body. Yeah. What's going on? There's mm-hmm. a lot of tension happening. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's illness. Sometimes there's like muscle mm-hmm. tightness. Like Resentment all that kind of stuff is going to... is usually a good indicator. Yeah. I was sharing with Becca the other day. I was like, because if you go into our home, um, our refrigerator has been broken yeah, I was thinking for a month. We have... Thank goodness we have a refrigerator back here in the studio. So like, okay, so we have, that's where the food is. But the refrigerator broke about a month ago. And um, my husband said right away, I'm going to take care of it. Like, I'll get it fixed, Mm -hmm. whatever. Now, I knew he was very busy. He's been gone a lot for work. And I'm like, okay, are you sure? Because I can take care of it if you need me to. And he's like, no, 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 I got it. I was sharing with Becca. It's Hmm. still broken. Mm -hmm. It has not Hmm. been taken care of. But there used to be like those those moments where, you know, he would say, I'm going to do this. And then when it wouldn't happen, I would just silently take care of it myself. Mm -hmm. And then the resentment would Mm -hmm. build up. Then all of a sudden, you know, after how many, however many of those I would explode Mm -hmm. and I'd be like, I'm taking care of everything. And you did it. And he'd be like, well, well, hold on a second. I I said I would. And I'm like, yeah, but you You weren't. You didn't do it in the timeline and in the fashion that I wanted you to do. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm like, what I've been trying to practice in like this past, the past few years of our relationship is I'm like, okay, if he says he's going to do something, then I won't touch it until it's done. And it's, it's super, it's so hard. Yeah, but let me ask you this though. Let me ask you this because a month is a long time. Yeah. Because even in my body, I'm like, I know me too. I was in a month. Oh no, no, I've been, I've just been like, is there resentment? No. That it's been a month. No. No, I don't feel resentment because right. because I'll bring it up to him. So it's not that I just completely ignore okay, it. Okay, okay. But I'll bring it up to him. I'll be like, hey, Ev, um, the refrigerator, are we going to get that like taken care of because it's been pretty inconvenient? And he's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I don't feel the resentment because he then owns that he hasn't, hasn't done, done it. Done it yet. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an ownership there of where he's like, oh my God, babe, I am so sorry. Yeah. You know, and there's where my, for me personally, where my resentment would lie is that I would do it. Do it anyway. And then when we would get in an argument, it would be kind of like, well, you didn't give me the opportunity to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Now, yeah. when the opportunity is given, if he doesn't step into it, then we can have actually this, I feel like this conversation where I'm like, hey, um, <laughs> I don't feel like very like loved and respected right now yeah. because you know that this is inconvenient yeah. and you said you're going to do it and it still hasn't been done. Right. And then his defensiveness isn't there because he knows there's something to stand that on. He's right. like, you're right. Yeah. I, I keep blowing right. it and I'm really sorry. So do you get mad though? Do you get annoyed? I think I would get annoyed that I'd be like, why aren't you just letting, why don't you just tell me you need help getting it done right now? Cause you can't keep up with it. You know, it's interesting. I feel like, we and this might just be personality differences. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think also too. I will say <laughs> to his credit, he does take care of like a lot of things mm-hmm. in certain like. So I don't feel like I'm chasing him about everything. But right. there'd be those specific things that would just drive me nuts uh-huh. because he'd say he was going to do them and then he wouldn't, and it would just make life inconvenient. If you were doing all the things, this would be a very if different conversation. A thousand percent. And yeah. then we have. And then I feel yeah. like it would have to look very different because yeah. I'd be like. Hey guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing all of the I'm things. doing everything yeah. because there is definitely like sh- it's shared. Yeah. But even if it is shared, when you say you're going to do it and it doesn't get done, well, what does that, that make I'm frustrated. You, right. And so it's not just frustration, right? Like what does that bring up in you 
in your partnership when you say you're going to do something and you don't do it? Like, what does that bring up for you? I think for me, what it brings up is, hmm, it's kind of, it's, this is strange and I think it's just because of how I was raised. I, it's always because of how we were it's raised. Always, it's always because of how I was raised. I'm here to tell you. My, Skip the years of therapy. Like, oh. It's something from your childhood. Like always. Okay, so my mother is like probably one of the most proficient people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. She is a task queen. I am not wired that way yeah. at all. I'm very flowy and like kind of see what happens and we figure it out as it goes. Mm-hmm. And I like to have a schedule, but when it comes to tasks, not so much my deal. So for some reason for me, when he says he's going to do it and he doesn't, I get this insecurity of like, you said you're going to do it because you don't think I can do it right and well, yeah. but then, but then you're putting it off on top of it. Right. And that's not the truth of the matter. Mm-hmm. It's literally him being super busy and forgetting. Yeah. Right. But I then feel this like, well, if, if you don't have the time to do it, why don't you just ask me to do it? Are you totally. not, a- no, are you not asking me because you don't trust that I exactly. can handle it? Right. It's like you think I'm probably going to not call someone who's going to get us the best deal yeah. and that I'm going to fuck up yeah. the fridge and whatever. So that feels a little bit of like that under-functioning, over-functioning dance. Yes. Yeah. Which we also talk about because I'm yes. the over-functioner and John can slip I into the under-functioner. Those, I was reading those little things, those mm-hmm. little bullet points of like, over-functioning and under-functioning and I was like that list is like so pared down by the way the over-functioning list of course is longer than the under-functioning list because I was probably an over-functioner who wrote most of it (laughs) but it's like check 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 right well and there's it was interesting to see where I related to different parts of the under-functioning and different parts of the over-functioning for sure because there was some under-functioning and actually I was thinking of you when I was reading them because there was in the under (laughs) that sounds so fucked up I was thinking of you in the under-functioning no but I was thinking of the things that we there was an under-functioning one where I thought of both of us where it said um, letting him do the taxes because you don't you just like I can't yep and we both do that and that's where I'm just like you do it I just uh yeah, child like lay, child shut down. But see, it's okay to do that if the conversation is like, "This is your jam. You're right. better at this. Right? It doesn't make you mad that you're doing it. You just like, you know, you want to do it. Okay, cool. You're better at this than I am. Totally. Like, let's all be real about where our proficiencies lie. It's more in the like, I don't even go there because I have a deeper to belief that no, I can't. That's what do I was it. gonna say. That where it comes from in those things for yeah. me is that's that, why I said that because no, when you and, were like, you don't believe that I can do it. And I'm that like, oh, so that's so deeply me. I'm like. Yeah. I can't, I just don't think that I can. Because again, from, from childhood, from mom, mom could doing do it all. Everything. I don't want to face my failure, right? Yeah. I don't want to face that I might be a failure. And yeah. then when I would do it when I was a kid, I wouldn't do it right. Wouldn't do yeah. it right. And, and so that so, helps create that yes. under-functioning where it's like, why would I even bother? Right. Right. And because, then I have him mm-hmm. who is very, can, is very much wired in the way, makes me so mad sometimes if he can just kind of do everything He's pretty like well. Mom. He's like my mom in that way. So I'm like, so (laughs) that's what we do. And so it's like, oh my gosh, he can handle everything, Mm -hmm. but he'll forget about stuff. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, then that's when all my insecurity comes up. Which is beautiful. Maybe he didn't ask me to do it because he doesn't think I can do it. And then when I bring that up to him, he's just like, what are you talking about? You do all these things. What do you think? I don't think you can do that. Like that's, that's not where I'm coming from at all. But that's so beautiful though, because it's silly. We think about like, oh, I bring this person into my life because they're like, you know, I'm attracted to what feels familiar. We could talk all about that. But actually, there's something really beautiful in that because it gives you, it it provides you an opportunity mm-hmm. to expand. It provides you an opportunity to look at these old patterns and yes. look at this old shit and rewrite a lot of those narratives, right? So if we look at like, why is it that I 
ended up with somebody who in a lot of ways might be similar to my mom. They're very similar right? in so many ways. There, there's, it's frustrating and also it can be really beautiful if you choose to look at it that way mm-hmm. um, because there's so much healing that can be in that. Oh you know? yeah, and I think I know like we've talked about this on the podcast so much, but him and I got married very young. Mm-hmm. We were raised very conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was 23 mm. and I'm almost 34 now. Baby. So we were, and we started dating when we were teenagers. Yeah. And um, so I think like our, one of our big healing processes have been like, oh, these are like our patterns that we, we learned, we learned each other in our teen and yeah. young states when we still weren't developed. Yeah. We were processing through a lot of our trauma, which we still are, mm-hmm. but like that was starting to come up in our early twenties. And now it's like, okay, then how do you shift mm-hmm. now into this new part of the, these, these almost new phases of who yeah. we are. Like when you're, when you both were talking about the learning to say, the sexuality, like, uh, the sexuality piece, like definitely in the Christian environment, it was the same thing, you know, yeah. where it's like you have to always say yes. And then having to figure out that dance of like, OK, I have been feeling so empowered in that way and loving saying no. Mm-hmm. But then I'm not communicating with my <laughs> sweet husband that it ha- doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm not attracted to him. And all of a sudden his feelings are hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's more wired in the way where then he gets quiet Mm -hmm. in that and he's not like knocking on my door for sex. He just kind of is like, I don't know if she's vibing on it so much anymore. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Mm -hmm. so interesting. So So the antidote is what for the mother son? Break up with them, right? (laughs) Check in. I mean, ownership, like I'm I'm doing this thing again and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Why? What's the fear? Usually there's fear. I mean, it's like a pretty simple question is like, am I pulling from love or am I pulling from fear? It's yeah. a way dire thing from way back in the day. And mm-hmm. so if you can really say, am I pulling from fear or love? Okay. Fear clearly. Uh, what's that fear, right? What is that? It's like when you were talking about with your husband, when he can get in and he can tell you what's really going on, the mm-hmm. way that that softens you, mm-hmm. right? And that's the same for all of us. Mm-hmm. So if I can say, what's the fear here? And I can communicate that that is a very different conversation than you're another child I have to take care of and it's making me hate your guts, right? Yeah. Um, that In that Fair Play uh, documentary, she talks about this exact example, um, taking the garbage out. And she was saying something like she had a conversation with him and it took her a while to get to this understanding of self, but um, she grew up poor and uh, mom was always working and whatever and they had... Um, she has a very vivid, constant memories of going into, the, she didn't want to go into the kitchen if she had a gla- needed a glass of water at night when she was a kid because when she turned the light on, the roaches would be everywhere. And for her, <sighs> trash clearly equals dirtiness, bugs, that's going to happen. Yeah. I'm back in that place again. Yeah, yeah. And when she said to him, the reason why I like it to be taken out every single night is because like it's rooted in this mm-hmm. and it might not logically make sense. Clearly not taking it out in one day is not going to create roaches, but that's where it's pulling from. And when she was able to share that with him, he's literally never not taken the trash out again because mm-hmm. it was such a different understanding. Oh, this isn't you nagging me. This is coming from a play, a wounded childlike place. Like if I can see my partner as like this 12 year old, six year old, 14 year old kid 
And that's where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. It makes me look at it so different. I'm not defending anymore. I'm like, oh my God, let me take care of you. Yeah. Man or woman, doesn't matter. Let yeah. me take care of that 14, 12, six-year-old version of you. Mm -hmm. um, because that's what we're here to do. You know, yeah. I want to love on that version of you. I want to, I want to be that person for you. I want to support you. So that to me was like a really profound example of when we can get to the like, it's not me being a nag. You know, there's something underneath it, mm -hmm. but it took her figuring that out in herself. Right. And then being able to share that with him. Right. You're making me just even think of like uh, this morning I was sort of nagging about um, my partner cleaning up the kitchen before he left. And um, what I didn't communicate very clearly to him, but what I was feeling was um, our nannies with the kids Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And um, she is wonderful but will always just kind of like you know she feels like it's her duty if she comes in the house and everything's like out of place to put it back together right and I'm like that's it's nice to keep pick mm -hmm. up after the kids and if you have extra time help with things but that's ultimately not your job and I've yeah. said that but you know she's like wanting to do her right. best and steps in, and she is a 50 something year old mother and steps into that mm -hmm. mothering role of like I'll handle it all so, but what I should have communicated to him now that I'm thinking about it, I kept bringing it up over and over but what I should have said is like hey, I don't want like Patty to feel overwhelmed and she tends mm. to take on tasks that she's not supposed to. And like, I just want to be respectful to her and make sure that she doesn't feel taken advantage of or like um, underappreciated. So like, I just really want to make sure we leave a clean space for her to just yeah. kind of like respect her in that way. Well, then what does it come back to you, right? So yeah. like, he might not feel that way. Yeah. That might not bother him. Yeah. Right? That's fine. You know, we're different people. Yeah. But what happens is, is like, that's, that's fair that maybe you don't feel that way. But what happens is because I feel that way, then I now have the urge to step in and clean up after right. you. Right. So that it doesn't translate to her. Right. Which that makes me resentful of you. Right. Because mm -hmm. I'm only doing this because you don't, you know. Right. So then it's like my part in that is like, I realize it's my own anxiety. Yeah. Right. But what I, I would really like your help in this because it would help me manage my anxiety around yeah. it. Yeah. Or um, I could say, you know, like, you know, if you want to, if you could just like read the kids a book or something or play with them I in the front yard. Well, I do it. And yeah. I don't care. That same. doesn't bother me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like, way. if you like, I I just really want to make sure this gets done. So if you could just either do it or if you want to, Take like, I don't care. Do do either mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Like, that's that's fine. I'll give you that. Like, yeah. you know. I want you to have agency in this too. And but. let's be real. There's plenty of people out there that are going to say, well, I've tried that. Right. And they come back yeah, to me for and sure, say, for like, sure. fuck off. You know, for there's sure. this energy. And that's, I mean, listen, ultimately at the end of the day, I always say it's like, we're, I've said this a few times, probably in different ways, even just in this conversation. It's not about their response. Like we're not doing this or saying this or getting to that deeper part of why for them. It's ultimately about us and our own growth and evolution and understanding of self and when you deliver it to them, how anybody responds is just information for you. Mm -hmm. What you do mm -hmm. with that information is is on you. Yeah. So if you're in a relationship where somebody continues to roll their eyes at you and say whatever, um, you know, stop being so sensitive, yeah. like all the things that we usually hear when we're getting shut down. Yeah. All of us have experienced being shut down. And then you've said to them, when you shut me down, it makes me not feel safe. And yeah. this is what happens, right? And you've tried all the things. Mm -hmm. And that's the, then my question becomes like, if I was in therapy with somebody like that as their therapist, it becomes like, so ultimately it's not about like the answer is always to cut and run. Sure. But at what point do you take their information? Like they're giving you the information and you're not 
taking it. It's like it's like someone will be in my DMs, right? And they'll be like, my husband never helps with the kids, like always demands sex from me, like just always hangs out with his friends, has, mm-hmm. has clearly said to me he doesn't have any interest in being with our kids. It's like, yeah. all right, girl, you're giving me the answer like in your question, right? Like you're listing out how this mm-hmm. person is virtually uninterested yeah. in being a partner to yeah. you, right? And so now the work is why are you right. attracted to or Where in a relationship yeah. with somebody that is like that. Right. It's like the the number of times I get like, yeah, but they were a narcissist. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I always end up with narcissists. He was a narcissist. Why do you think that you always end up with narcissists? Right. It's not about the narcissist. I don't right. care. I don't care about your ex being right. a narcissist. Right. 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 I don't give a shit. Right. I want to know about him. Right. He's not my client. Right. Let's get into why you're attracted to narcissists. Right. What needs healing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not to victim blame. Right. Right. We're all, we can all be victimized, of course. Well, also if someone's coming to therapy, right? The goal is ownership. to, how can I improve my life right. and like figure out how to right. take, yeah, take ownership over the shit that I need to not change. Not to victim blame. It's yeah. just to say, at what point do you stop and say, okay, I've done that. Yeah. I've been in that role. Now it's time for me to take back the power. That to me feels less like victim blaming and more like saying, take back your power. Mm-hmm. It's right. It's what are you going to do with it now? On it, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Moving forward. Yeah. Right. Because there's two different ways to look at things. Yeah. I was just t- talking to a friend about this yesterday because he was saying like, you know, the powers that be, you know, we're like just want to poison us and our planet and all of that. And I was like, well, what if we just like reframed that and we could still talk about the powers that mm-hmm. be, but like the powers that be don't want us to know that we have the, the, agency the, power, the power and the agency yes. to change our environments yeah. and to be in community with each other where we create healthy, right? right? So it's like, those are two different ways of saying the same thing. Well, you can look at it from a different like, perspective. I don't want to be in the matrix anymore, right? right? This is this whole conversation a lot of us right. are having where it's mm-hmm. like, I see the matrix. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see what's happening. Yeah. I know what's going on. Right. I'm choosing to get step back. Right. We're still, we're still in this society. You can't not be. But like, I'm going to see it for what it is. And I'm going to choose to say, yeah, there are still powers of be, of course. Sure. But like, what's my role? Well, and what I think that the, the, the shift in that is creativity, right? Because yeah. when you take on creativity, which is healthy feminine, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. then you're like, what are the alternatives yeah. here? How can I look at this from a different, different way? Angle. Instead of pushing through it, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I can be like, how, what are some interesting ways to approach this? Right. How right. can I look at myself and see what's there when we're talking about these relationships? How mm-hmm. can I see what's there? How can I shift my perspective on how I'm approaching these situations or these relationships? Yeah. I also think like to that, to the other side of that, you know, where we're saying sometimes it's very clear where you're like, dude, this, this guy's where he's at in his life right now is not good and you need to step away from this This is going to suck you in a vortex for the next 10 years of your life or whatever because sometimes that is what it is Mm -hmm. but also I am guilty of being like I've tried to be my higher self for about two weeks (laughs) it's not worth it they're not changing yeah yeah exactly (laughs) why is he ready to step into his higher self and I've done it for about three hours every day for the past two weeks Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the time I kind of go back into my unhealthy patterns but like I don't see him putting in the effort Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. yep something's not right here I I also know that myself and a lot of people I know are also guilty of that and sometimes that shit takes time and like you you gotta just can you gotta keep on working on yourself if you're not in a situation where you're really being like poisoned and dragged down by that relationship if you have something that's worth um trying for yeah Yeah. putting Mm -hmm. in the effort for Mm -hmm. then it's like sometimes you gotta you gotta just really focus in on your own lane and see where that takes you yeah couldn't agree more Hmm. But anyway, well, 
thank you so much for coming, Vanessa. Oh and my obviously goodness. we told John thank you too. I know. Thank you to John as well. But it's so nice that we could just yeah, then chat with good. you. Would you please plug? You have yes. your book, but then also you mentioned away. you have a podcast. So I'd like to hear about that and where we can yeah. find you each on socials and yada, 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 so yada, So John yada. is the angry therapist across everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, same with this podcast. So my podcast is called Cheaper Than Therapy. Mm. My girlfriend Love. and I are both depth psychologists. So like it's a lot of very you know, esoteric, let's get into it. Not a lot of like more behavioral stuff. It's a lot more like spiritual conversations Love and it. things like that Love. from a psychology perspective. Um, and then I'm on- What is that you're saying? Depth or depth? Depth, depth psychology. Okay. Yeah, so Jungian. I'm not familiar with that term. Jungian oh, psychology. Okay. Yeah, uh, depth psychology is Jungian yeah, yeah, psychology. Okay. Um, and then Instagram, Vanessa S. Bennett. It's, it was my private and then it became my public. So it's <laughs> the same name. Uh, no pithy branding there. Uh, Instagram, I'm actually on there as the Coda Yoda. Uh, all things codependency. And then, yeah, our book is... Uh, the Coda Yoda. The Coda Yoda. I love that. C-O-D-A-Y-O-D-A. Okay, fun. Yeah. Um, and then the, the book, book comes out September 6th. Which today. is today. This is episode oh, of shit. Right. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's not me, it's you. Anywhere you can get your book? Yeah, anywhere. Amazon. I'm going to be getting the Target, Audible though because I love that audible. idea of listening to you oh, both. Oh, I cannot yeah, wait. Well, we'll have all of that in the episode notes, Broads. We so appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, so appreciate it. Appreciate chat you both. soon. We chat soon. Chat soon. <laughs>